Welcome to Restaurant Relevance, the podcast, where the goal is to glean operational tactics for restaurants from data-driven research, possibly nerding out along the way. I'm Nathan Jarvis. Welcome to those of you who are tuning in. Before we dive into the show, here are the highlights and key takeaways. So to recap, consumers obviously do have some perceptions of cleanliness, uh, and they're really good at the clean areas, not so much at the, the dirty areas, which we probably extend to management and staff. Uh, and so there are areas in the restaurant, mostly high touch points, which are dirty, even though they may look clean. Uh, and so we want to incorporate those areas into a regular cleaning program so that we don't forget to do them. Uh, and even if you, we just choose a few of them to incorporate into our program, we're at least touching more of those high touch points with a cleaning program to try to reduce contamination. In this episode, we're featuring research published in the International Journal of Contemporary Hospitality Management, entitled The Cleanliness of Restaurants, ATP Tests, Reality versus Consumers' Perceptions. So reading this article really made me think back to the first project I worked on when I started my PhD. Uh, I was helping another grad student and we were swabbing tables for ATP values, just like they did in this this, uh, study. Uh, So it kind of made me reminisce a little bit. I find this research really fascinating because I like seeing comparisons between what we as people think is true and some objective value and and seeing where the differences are. Uh, You know, it's interesting, uh, we'll see in this study how close human perception is in certain areas and how really far off we are uh, in in others. So let's jump right in. Uh, We're fortunate to have two of the authors of this research with us today. Dr. Tony Kim, joined James Madison University, the Hart School of Hospitality, Sport, and Recreation Management as an assistant professor in 2016, right after he received his PhD in hospitality and tourism management from Purdue University. He also received his master's of tourism administration, concentrating in meeting and event management from the George Washington University. Further, he has a bachelor's of science in chemical engineering and engineer chemistry, from Hanyang University in Seoul, South Korea, and a BS in hotel administration from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. His research interests include food safety and sanitation, hotel and restaurant cleanliness, and consumer behavior in restaurants. Prior to his PhD, Dr. Kim worked as an assistant general manager in the international franchise restaurant sector for eight years. He's published numerous peer-reviewed journals and actively serves as a reviewer for the Journal of Food Service Business Research and International Journal of Contemporary Hospitality Management. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me here today. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, We also have joining us Dr. Cheryl Klein. She is the Deputy Dean of the Alfred Lerner College of Business and Economics and the Aramark Chaired Professor in the Department of Hospitality and Sport Business Management at the University of Delaware. Before joining the University of Delaware, she served as interim dean and associate dean in the College of Hospitality, Retail, and Sport Management at the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. Dr. Klein developed her research interests while at Purdue University, where she held the position of the C.B. Smith Professor in the School of Hospitality and Tourism Management and was the director of the Center for the Study of Lodging Operations. Her research focuses on organizational behavior and training in the hospitality, meeting, and event industry. Dr. Klein is ranked in the 25 most productive scholars in the field of hospitality management, which is really impressive. 
She began her academic career at Widener University's School of Hospitality Management. And before joining academia, she had a successful career as a manager in the casino, hotel, and resort industry with over a decade of industry experience. She holds a BA in economics and English from Rutgers University, an MS in hotel administration from UNLV, and a PhD in organizational psychology from Temple University. Welcome to the show. Nathan, thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you all here today. So where I always like to start uh, with uh, my guests is I want to start at a really high level. Uh, and so in, in two sentences, would you explain what your study was about and what you found? Sure, Nathan, but it might take three. So Okay, so okay, that's did, fine. We compared restaurant customers' perceptions, and we actually surveyed restaurant customers of okay. what is clean in a restaurant to what surfaces are actually clean. We measured that using ATP meters. The surfaces that were found to be actually clean were aligned with the customer's perceptions. If it was actually clean, they thought it was clean. However, where the surfaces were found to be dirty, the customer's perception was off. And that's what makes this interesting to us. Interesting. So uh, we're pretty good, it seems like, at assessing if something's clean, we, we know it's clean. But if it's dirty, we're, we're not good at that type of assessment then. Yes. And then the, the last part is we actually have recommendations for the industry and cool. what they need to do to ensure that they have a clean and safe environment for restaurant customers. Awesome. All right. So we'll definitely get into those recommendations uh, at the end. Uh, as I was reading through your, your literature review, I was reminded of something that I think su would surprise most operators. And that is, and maybe even most people in general, that the food co in the food code in the United States basically says that the restaurant's responsibility uh, extends to ensuring that customer expectations are met, right? Regarding that food is prepared in a clean environment and honestly presented. So that's going beyond just, are you preparing the food cleanly, but it has to somehow meet customers' expectations. Uh, can you talk about like, how does this play into your study? So uh, customers have right to know how their foods are prepared in the restaurant. So that mm -hmm. is why, for example, the restaurant inspection results are available to public most of the time on their website uh, in the health department. But however, in this study, we try to highlight the surfaces that consumers believe to be clean should be clean and restaurants should, be, should provide that cleanliness to the customers. Awesome. Okay. Uh, and so as you kind of say at the beginning, you're looking at both customers' expectations or, or perceptions, uh, as well as actual cleanliness. And we'll talk about here in a minute how you uh, determine those things. And you were also were trying to determine, is there a relationship between those two uh, characteristics, right? Yes. So we wanted to see if the actual cleanliness of the surfaces in the restaurant actually meet the expectation of customers. And we also want to inform the restaurant industry as to how to clean their restaurant dining rooms and restrooms as well. So their improved cleaning practices can be more efficient and can provide cleaner environment for their customers. Awesome, okay. So digging into your, your methods or your kind of a protocol for, for conducting this research, uh, you choose to define 
cleanliness as free from visible dirt or soil, meaning, uh, you know, I guess in layman's terms, does it look dirty or not, right? Does it look like it's clean or not? Um, but of course, a surface could be visibly clean, but still have microorganisms on it, something that people are probably much more aware of right now because of our current COVID situation. Uh, so why, I think I know the answer, uh, did you choose this definition for cleanliness for your study? So Nathan, that's a great question. And what we found is that customers use their perception to determine cleanliness. They don't walk around with ATP meter. You know, they don't have a way of assessing if something's clean when they come in to dine or even stay in a hotel. It's all done through their eyes and maybe through touch. So okay. we, we use a term that's pretty standard in research as well. And, and visibly dirt or soil uh, that fit into that definition. And when restaurant managers and guests come into a restaurant and look at their restaurant, they're actually determining, you know, it looks clean, it looks neat. And yeah. maybe they'll even touch a surface and say, oh, it's not sticky, you know. It's, yeah. and, and that's why we use that as the base definition. Gotcha. Uh, and then, so you, you already referenced ATP, uh, as uh, a method that you use. Can you, you know, real uh, briefly explain what, what are you measuring when you're using ATP? What, what is it in layman's terms? Great. So an ATP bioluminescent meter, you actually have a meter and you have a swab and you swab the area and it has to be a specific area that you measure. And right. what you're measuring is actually organic matter and living cells. Now that doesn't mean there's microbes there. That doesn't mean it will hurt you. You know, dirt could be involve uh, matter that it would measure. You put the swab into the device and it actually uses light. So I bioluminescent okay. to measure the level of dirt. Now, why do we choose ATP meter to do this? First of all, they're very easy to use. As you know, they're very quick. Yep. You know, you'll get a result in 15 seconds or, or, or give or take. And it's used very heavily in restaurant manufacturing, excuse me, food service manufacturing facilities, mm -hmm. and also in the back of the house in restaurants. What was unique for us is we were one of the first studies to uh, academic studies to do this in the front of the house of a restaurant and, uh. and use it in this way to compare to customer perception. So it was a standard way of measuring uh, dirt or cleanliness in food service facilities. And if I may add, a uh, lot of hospitals using this one as well. And also this is okay. very cost effective uh, compared to other, you know, uh, microorganism tests. Yeah, so uh, obviously I have a background in food microbiology. So I immediately think about, well, you, you know, you could have taken samples and tried to plate it up and grow the organisms, do some sort of a, you know, a colony forming unit count or something like this. Obviously, ATP is faster and cheaper, uh, so I understand uh, both of that. But were there any other considerations on why you chose the ATP versus some sort of a uh, like a culture method? Well, I want to say that it's easier to training the restaurant managers because a lot of time the uh, restaurant managers they are not major in biology or chemistry, so right. it is easier to teach them how to use this device correctly. So that's another reason that is widely used. And we have done studies where we did plate up and look for microbial uh, matter. Um, right. Again, it just takes more time and it's very expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did a lot of that in my PhD, growing bacteria. It takes a lot of time. A lot of time. 
Okay. All right. So, and then part of your, your protocol or your methods were you tried to differentiate between, uh, you know, surfaces, as you call them, touch points that are touched a lot versus very little, a high touch point and a low touch point. Uh, can you give some examples of, of these either that you'd predefined or that you found through your research? And why is it important to think about high versus low touch points? Well, I want to say it is important because uh, CDC actually recommend to clean high touch surfaces more frequently compared to right. touch surfaces. Uh, it starts from the hospital all the way down to a restaurant and any other like a customer service involved area. Mm -hmm. And we also wanted to see if there are any differences in actual cleanliness between high touch and low touch surfaces. For example, in dining area, most of surfaces that we chose were high touch surfaces, except the bar stool that we chose. And among them, top five high touch surfaces were perceived as clean as most of them were used to eat their food. For example, silverware, plates and cups, glasses, so, or the salt and pepper, those, uh, those items are high touch surfaces because people right. use it when they eat them. I mean, eat the food, right? And however, in the restroom area, most high touch surfaces were not perceived clean by consumers because they okay. go to the restroom, they touch the surfaces and they believe the restaurant don't clean that properly. However, low touch surfaces in the restroom were perceived clean because, well, they don't clean and people don't touch it. So it's not really contaminated. Interesting. So, and this is going off a different direction, uh, of course, as I'm thinking about this, but it's, it's almost as if the consumers were thinking about surfaces through their own behavior. So basically they associate, well, what do I touch on a regular basis and therefore that must be dirty but if i don't touch it it's probably clean that's kind of exactly. was the thought process yes exactly so also like they believe how frequently like how good the restaurant or the operators actually clean those surfaces as well and uh, okay. a lot of time it was before uh covid19 so before that people didn't have a good trust toward the industry yeah, so so this was you collected this in 2018, is that correct? Yes. All right, so it's been a couple of years. Okay, um, awesome. All right, and then one more kind of methods question before we get into what you found. Uh, obviously, as researchers, we consider the theoretical side to be quite important, uh, and you framed your research with what you called or is called in the literature an expectation and disconfirmation theory, EDT. So. Uh, could you briefly explain what EDT is and, and why was it relevant to your research? So basically, we did not test this theory in this study, but we used this theory to explain uh, consumer satisfaction and dissatisfaction level. And uh, okay. we didn't test the satisfaction of the consumers, but what they uh, confirm or disconfirm can actually affect their satisfaction toward the restaurant experience. So basically expectation and disconfirmation theory is that when they when consumers expect something and it's disconfirmed that which means it didn't meet positively for example they believe it's gonna be dirty then they found out it's clean then nothing happened but they believe it's gonna be clean then it turns out it's dirty that means they disconfirm their expectation negatively 
in that case, the dissatisfaction happens. So that's why we want to use this theory to uh, test. Uh, we used oh, that's why we use this theory to explain how consumer satisfaction happens. Gotcha. So it's almost as if if they have an expectation and you meet it, there there's no positive outcome because that was kind of like their baseline expectation. Like, exactly. good yes. for you, you did your job. Uh, whereas if you don't meet it, then there's a negative outcome because you didn't even do your job. You didn't even clean it. It's so it's there's no upside, but you still have to meet it to prevent a downside. Does that is that kind of right? Yes. Awesome. It's like okay. a factor. I'm sorry. Say that again. It's like a maintenance factor. You just. Oh, yeah. yeah. OK. Yeah. okay. You, you have to meet that minimum. OK. All right. And in your study. Uh, you surveyed customers uh, online using MTurk, if I remember correctly. Uh, and uh, so you sent out a survey, had a bunch of people answer it. Uh, and so what did you find when, when asking consumers uh, about these high-touch surfaces and their expectations? What were some of your, your key findings? Uh, we did not ask the satisfaction per se for the study. So as a study okay. focuses on actual cleanliness. However, the theory itself can lead us to how consumers will be satisfied or dissatisfied based on confirming and disconfirming their expectations. Okay. Um, we found that certain surfaces uh, that the guests thought that were um, perceived to be clean, as, as Tony mentioned, were the ones that they come in contact with the most. So not surprisingly, that included plates, glass or cups, napkins, silverware, uh, the tabletop surface itself, uh, the bar table, um, the kind of the, the back of the dining room chair, they didn't think about so much, okay. but that's something that we also tested. Uh, also the hostess stand, the count, you know, where you stand up, if you think about right. it, everybody goes up to the hostess stand and touches yep. it. Puts, yeah. So, but that came out lower on their perceived cleanliness list, okay. which makes sense because they're thinking, well, you know, I go up and touch that too. In the restrooms, the areas that were perceived to be cleaner, again, as Tony mentioned, were the ones that are less touched. So mirrors, walls, the soap dispenser. Um, people, although that is a high touch area, they, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Because, they, yeah. Um, and then as you go down the list, the areas that, get, that customers thought were the dirtiest, um, and, and I think they perceived it accurately, the, the door handle for the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, the inside as well as the outside door handle, the pen you used to sign for credit card. I know since Tony and I did this study, we bring our own pens everywhere. <laughs> the pager yeah. where you're waiting if the restaurant used a pager. Oh, yeah. Things that light up, everybody touches those. And, you know, the assumption is maybe they're not cleaned as much. The menu, and I'm sure, Nathan, you're aware there's been a lot of menu studies so done yeah. by our colleagues. Um, the restaurant bill holder when you get the bill whether it's a fold over, you know, right. kind of document or, or a plate. In the restroom, again, the areas that were perceived to be dirtiest were the toilet flush handle, the toilet seat, the door lock inside the stall, um, the inside handle of the restroom, and then the outside handle of the restroom, and the sink faucet handles. So again, the people who were surveyed assumed where they're touching the most, those were the dirtiest areas. Right. However, that's not necessarily, it didn't line up with what we found with the ATP meter. It did for the clean areas, but not, not for, for the, the dirty areas. areas. 
So let's talk about that. So you do ATP readings, um, and so let's talk about those dirty areas that consumers perceive to be clean or cleaner, but in, in fact were, were dirty. So what were those areas, and uh, I mean, what do you think is going on there? So, so for example, the hostess stand area where most people actually go up and lean on it or put their hands on it. I mean, if you reflect right. on the last time pre-COVID, you went in a restaurant yeah. and put your name in. Well, that was that came out as our highest uh, RLU area measured, the, okay. the hostess stand. The bar table. So when you're sitting mm -hmm. at the bar. Yeah, the bar top, again, yeah. The, you know, that did not come out as, as high in the mines of our customers. So, um, the restaurant outside door handle did, that pretty well lined up, but the dining room chair back and dining room seat and restaurant inside door handle were getting a little bit more clean in terms of how we measure it. Okay. In, in the bathroom, the, the door lock inside the stall, I mean, I think that's intuitive, but that right. came up our dirtiest area. It, it was uh, fairly dirty in the list for our customers as well. Sink faucet yes. handle did. And our customers okay. did not think that was as dirty. Outside door handle, the restroom and soap dispenser and then flush handle were the next dirtiest. Dirty. But I would group them together. I mean, the, the RLUs were pretty close. And I will say they yeah. were very high. Um, unfortunately, overall, when we looked at all the surfaces in the dining room area, they right. all fell below the level that we had set for cleanliness. So what that means is right. there's opportunity for improvement for restaurant managers and staff to clean. However, the guests did not perceive that. The guests right. did perceive the things they touched to be most likely to be clean when they're eating, the plate, right. the glass, the silverware. And if you think about it, like all those surfaces in the restroom uh, turned out dirty and are perceived as a dirty, is those surfaces are the surfaces that people touch. They actually, uh, they actually touch before they wash their hands. So rest, uh, restroom door handles and the lock, the flush. But once they clean their hands with the faucet and the soap, they perceive those surfaces are clean. But then if they're not using a paper towel, they're going to have to go touch the lock again, the you know, door handle again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Go outside and pull the chair back, touch the chair back. Yeah, uh, of course. And, and we haven't even talked about people's cell phone, but that's an entirely different study. So, um, all right. So, I mean, you talk about that y'all had kind of preset a level for if it's above this threshold, we're going to declare it dirty. And it sounds like all or almost all of the surfaces you, you swabbed exceeded that. So from your study and or your professional you know, opinion here, is it a matter of needing to clean more frequently, uh, doing a more thorough cleaning, or doing more thorough sanitizing? Like which of those three factors is, is at play here? Or is it all of them? Well, I want to yes, say uh, all yes, of them. Yes. <laughs> I want to say, oh, okay. I agree. Yeah, but based on my experience, I work in a restaurant for eight years and I work as a TA in the restaurant as well. So based on my experience, those areas were not cleaned as regularly as we wanted to be. So right. 
like for example, uh, restaurant managers, they ask their servers or their employees to clean the tables and wipe the floors and clean the windows. But not many uh, restaurants, uh, in not many cases, they clean the chair back or the restaurant door handles or hosting right. stand. So if manager can include those surfaces on their regular routine or daily cleaning list, it would be nice. And of course, like, I, like we said earlier, it has to be more thorough every time they clean any of those surfaces. Right. And, and I right. think the recommendation is clean the high touch surfaces more frequently. And when we say clean, right. we mean clean and sanitize. Yes. You, you okay. know, since we're in the COVID soon, hopefully post COVID part right. of our lives, sanitizing is much more important for many reasons, uh, right. not just COVID. And um, that will also prevent other types of, you know, sharing of diseases and, and infections. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all the things that we got before COVID on a regular basis. Exactly. So you say um, clean and sanitize. And just so that uh, anyone listening, uh, we're all talking about the same thing in your mind, cleaning and sanitizing. Does that mean that I can just walk up to the table with a rag and a bucket of sanitizer and wipe it down and I'm good? Or in your mind, what is cleaning and sanitizing? So uh, when I think of cleaning, it, you know, it's a little bit old fashioned, but elbow grease. You need to, you need to really rub uh, the surface and um, you should clean it and sanitize it. That, there are products that do both at the same time. Right. But in other research studies, we know, I'm sure Nathan, you know from your work that, you know, you have to make sure you have a clean rag, you know, right. just because you clean something with a rag doesn't mean, or a sponge, those items have to be clean. And the people doing the cleaning must wash their hands or use disposable gloves and then change the gloves. In between. Because there right. are concerns about cross-contamination. So sanitizing involves, you know, just, just for a layperson, when it says 99.9% .9 of the viruses are killed with this product, that's a product that sanitizes. And most restaurants use sanitizers in the front of the house uh, as well, but I think it's the frequency that needs to be focused on. And, uh, and we also found those high touch areas were not focused on by restaurant managers. Gotcha. The, the employees need to be made aware of what's high touch. I think we all know silverware is high touch, but, but they don't think about the door handles because mm -hmm. if you're a food server and many of us have done that, right? When we started out, um, you're focused on the table. But there are yeah. other aspects, as Tony mentioned, the, the furniture. The bar top in particular needs mm -hmm. a lot of attention and it needs to be cleaned frequently. Think of how many time, how many turns you have at the bar. Right. And it needs to be not just wiped down with a dirty bar rag or a bar rag that's been used several times, but it needs <laughs> a clean bar rag, a little elbow grease, a little pressure, mm -hmm. and then sanitized. Right. Okay. And sanitizer has to sit a certain amount of time in order to work. A lot of people think, I'll just spray it on and wipe it off. Well, depending, and you follow the instructions, it could be anywhere from a minute to 10 minutes. Most of our products that we use, uh, without mentioning names of companies, they're a minute to three minutes. But it has to sit on there before your next guest touches it in order to work. Which means in a uh, you know a busy environment, and a lot of operations are right now, uh, on right. top of being short-staffed, right? You really, uh, very few people want to have to you know, sanitize the, the tabletop and then let it sit there for three minutes wet uh, before you seat someone, right? It's, it's churn and burn 
Um, and and so it's not really getting the time to sit to make sure that it's doing the full job. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can see that. Okay. Um, what else? All right. We already talked about you collect this in 2018. So this is pre-COVID. And so as you're talking about some of these things like higher frequency, uh, you know, using gloves uh, in between uh, different, uh, you know, cleaning or different tables. Some of these things are are things that restaurants are now doing either because they have to because a municipality or state is making them um, or because they're adopting that as an industry. I know here in Texas, um, our restaurant association uh, came out with kind of a, a pledge for this is what we as restaurants in Texas should be doing uh, and this is what we recommend. And I, I believe that's part of that. Um, so what other things do you think now that we're in a COVID environment, how do you apply your research to this situation or have you seen it maybe applied where you're, if you did the research today, would it be different because people have made changes? Sorry, that's, that's kind of all encompassing. We just did the research yesterday. We just collected. Really? Yeah. So, so when you said do the research today, so um, we, we just swabbed uh, a restaurant today. We've done some a uh, couple weeks ago. We'll do some next week. Um, because cool. we are replicating the study just for the very reason you said. Tony, you want to awesome. talk a little bit more detail about so, it? Yep. Yeah. So, like a lot, as you mentioned, a lot of like a cleaning procedure has been changed due to COVID nineteen, and uh, how they serve and how they uh, deliver the service has uh, have been changed. So that's why we want to replicate this study as a post COVID nineteen study. Well, yeah. let's say post COVID. I know it's not exactly post COVID. Yeah. Yeah but a lot of things changed. So that's why we wanna do, and we wanna compare. Luckily we have, we didn't expect this COVID-19 happens, but luckily we have data from 2018. So uh, we wanna compare uh, how the co consumer's perceptions have been changed and how the cool. actual cleanliness have been changed. So like Dr. Klein mentioned that we are uh, collecting data. So we just finished it yesterday, one site, one restaurant and one hotel and we will do again next week. So we are in the process of collecting data. So we don't have the result yet, but right. the brief look, oh, also we finished the survey of the consumer's perception. Mm -hmm. In a brief look, it looks like, I have to double check, but I had a little bit of like a preliminary analysis of the uh, survey data. It looks like consumers believe the restaurant surfaces are cleaner than before because they pay more attention to cleaning. Cool. Well, that'll be exciting to, to see it come out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're looking forward to uh, crunching the data. We, we do think anecdotally that the, you mentioned the Texas Restaurant Association. We, we believe the National Restaurant Association um, from Delaware, the Delaware Restaurant Association has been doing a good job at making customers aware that restaurants mm -hmm. have really ratcheted up their cleaning processes, that we right. are creating safer environments for people to eat. Um, you know, it's not just services, it's also air quality as well. But right. a lot more has been in the news about these issues since uh, BC before COVID. Right. Um, Tony mentioned, we, we, we did a study using ATP meters in hotels uh, right. that, that shadowed what we did in the restaurants. And so we're replicating this as well in hotels. So we're, cool. we're replicating that study. Um, we are also, you talked about uh, microorganisms, we're also now measuring uh, coliform and E. coli. And we want okay. to see 
uh, you know, is that present uh, as well, uh, which uh, was not done before. But there's now right. a test that's pretty rapid that you can do that. You still have to grow it, but not in a petri dish. It's in a in a test tube. So You're doing uh, um, like a PCR type or uh, rapid flow or rapid, yeah, rapid, so we, okay. we, yeah, yeah. So just to add, like, we know that ATP meter detects the living organic materials, but it doesn't tell if it's harmful or not. Right. That's why we want to do this study. But at the same time, still, ATP is reliable because at least it shows that if the surface has been cleaned or not. Right. We just right. added one more, you know, method to confirm. Awesome. I'll look forward to uh, your next study or two coming out. Uh, maybe we'll have to have you back on and we can do kind of a comparison and, and talk about what changed. All right, so obviously you looked at a bunch of different surfaces, right? And so uh, all of them, all the high touch, well, all of them are important, particularly the high touch ones. Uh, but knowing, we've all worked in restaurants or, or the industry before, so we understand from an operational standpoint you can only focus on so many things at a time. Uh, so if I had to force you to choose maybe three extra places in the restroom and three extra places front of the house that as a manager, like I only have a limited amount of, of bandwidth that I can spend a little bit more time, what would those three places in each place be? Well, I'll be a little bit tricky here. So in front <laughs> of the house, I will choose hostess stand, bar table, and restaurants outside door handle based on ATP okay. result. Uh, I say that because, you know, in the restaurant, if you're gonna serve the customers, you have to clean the, all the other surfaces anyway, like the tables or silverware or plates anyway. Right. And if you think about it, if this makes sense because the restaurant door handle is the first thing the customers are touching when they enter the restaurant. Then they might put their hands or arms on the hosting stand while they're talking to the hosting staff. Also, if you think about the bar table, that's the place that customers are hanging out while they're waiting for their tables. And most of the time, the bar tables are wet and have some moisture because people spill or some have, you know, waters everywhere. Right. So that will help the pathogen to grow. So that's why I want to pick those three surfaces. And for the restroom, I also want to go for ATP results, ATP reading okay. results. So which will be door lock inside the stall, sink faucet handle, and outside door uh, door handle. Again, like okay. I mentioned earlier, those surfaces are the surfaces that you touch. You actually uh, uh, before you actually wash your hands. So, and to take it a step further, if they could install touchless fixtures. So for example, the paper towel dispenser was found to be one of the dirtier areas in the bathroom. Make it touchless. You know, wait, the ones okay. where you wave your hand. If right. you can have the door open automatically for the restaurant, make that touchless. And then you reduce the number of surfaces that have been touched, therefore reduce the labor you need to clean. Because we all know in, in the world we're living in today, it's a huge labor shortage, which yeah. we, we normally have that issue in our industry. It's been really exacerbated uh, due, due to many things that are going on right now. So if you can provide more touchless devices, uh, that would be helpful and to reduce the need for cleaning. And, and to that uh, in things like the, the touchless uh, menus, the, the QR codes, that's a great okay. example of uh, applying yes. this. Okay. Correct. Okay. 
Awesome. All right. So now I'm going to play devil's advocate um, a little bit here. Uh, and you know this is coming. So, uh, you know, as researchers, we always have to acknowledge what are the limitations of our study are, right? It's really important because uh, it's almost impossible to do a study that covers every scenario out there, right? And we can only collect so much data. So um, I think from an operator standpoint, it's helpful to ask, well, what if the research is wrong in some way, right? Um, so for example, let's say an operator does adopt some of your recommendations and starts cleaning high touch surfaces more. Um, what if we later find out that this research isn't the whole picture or there are limitations uh, to the, the application of, of some of these results? What could some of the, are, are there any negative outcomes for the operator having adopted more cleaning procedures to later find out that we weren't quite uh, right in our recommendations? Is there any that you might expect? So I guess you brought up really good points. Uh, we did our best to include all those high touch surfaces and we tried to include as many surfaces as possible. But, um, uh, Anna, you, you also forced me to choose three surfaces. In <laughs> I know, I know. Restroom and the dining uh, area, but it's just our study. The different yeah. study can have different results. So what we wanna uh, show in our study is that try to focus on high touch areas, high touch surfaces in the dining area, in the restroom, doesn't really matter. Focus on high touch surfaces. That can be changed while we change our dining behavior. Like we mentioned earlier, maybe we have a different technology. Before we look at the menu, now we uh, scan the QR code or we order right. from the tablet on the uh, tablet on the table or we download the app. So we might have different uh, high touch surfaces than before than uh, our right. study. So as a restaurant managers, try to focus which one is, uh, which one, which surfaces people touch more frequently than other surfaces. So try to focus on the surfaces and change your cleaning procedure based on that observation as well. That's the one takeout that we wanna give from our study. And, and how you do it is important as what you do. Exactly. So if you clean it and you're using dirty uh, rags or sponges, even though you clean, you spent the time, doesn't mean right. it's going to get clean. So you really need to focus on using your chemicals properly and training people properly. Yes, yes. Challenges we, we've all faced for, for years. Doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. All right. So if you were running a restaurant today, you were the owner or, or the manager, how would you use your, these findings uh, to make your restaurant a better operation? So I would look at the high touch areas in my restaurant and I would create a training program so that people clean those high touch areas. And I would make sure we do a deep cleaning every night. You know, we have a cleaning crew that comes in every night um, because okay. I can't just rely on my servers to do that. I also want to communicate to my customers and this can be done overtly or maybe covertly that my restaurants clean. And so posting on the door, for example, the Delaware Restaurant Association says, this is what we do to make sure our restaurants right. clean for COVID. I would have those posters posted there. Also in the bathroom, if you see this is not up to your standards, please let management know, we'll take care of it right away. It's right. as important to let your customers know that you care about cleanliness as it is to keep it clean. We have to do both. I think our study found it's not just making sure that it's clean, but making your customers aware that uh, you're yeah. cleaning. 
So it's two things you need to do. Yeah. And it really doesn't take a lot of time to train. You know, you do your huddle in a restaurant. I'm sure you've all been, you know, we start the day, you know, focus in your huddle on some aspect of cleaning. Um, not just what our special today is and, and uh, make sure you sell more wine or more apps, right? Right. So, so I would put cleanliness into that huddle routine. Again, something a lot of restaurateurs don't always think about, but because it's important to our guests. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Anything else you want to add? Well, adding to that, like I want to say, don't be shy cleaning because before, like a cleaning has to be behind the scene. Like, they, of course, you have to clean before you uh, are ready for customers. But even if right. there are customers, like you can still clean your surfaces. And trust me, customers, when they come to the restaurant or the hotels in any places, times like this, if they see that you pay attention to the cleanliness, if you pay attention to cleaning the surfaces and disinfection, disinfecting the surfaces, they will appreciate. So don't be shy for cleaning any of your surfaces. Awesome. That's All right, so to, that's great. so to recap, consumers obviously do have some perceptions of cleanliness uh, and they're really good at the clean areas, not so much at the, the dirty areas, which we probably extend to management and staff. Uh, and so there are areas in the restaurant, mostly high touch points, which are dirty, even though they may look clean. Uh, and so we want to incorporate those areas into a regular cleaning program so that we don't forget to do them. Uh, and even if you, we just choose a few of them to incorporate into our program, we're at least touching more of those high touch points with a cleaning program to try to reduce contamination. Exactly. Yep. And it matters. It matters to our customers. They will return if they know it's clean, as well as if mm -hmm. your food is good and your, and your service is excellent. So put that up there with service, you know, good service, high quality food, and cleanliness, and the, cleanliness. The, the trifecta of a successful restaurant. Awesome. And Nathan, we would like to also thank our co-authors. Oh, yes, please do. To this. So uh, the cleanliness of restaurants, ATP tests, reality versus consumers perception uh, were, uh, was a process between three different universities, JMU, Purdue University, University of Delaware, and Tony was the lead author, Dr. Kim, uh, Dr. Barbara Almanza from Purdue University, Dr. Jing Ma from University of Delaware, Dr. Haig Park from Purdue University in Wayne, Fort Wayne, and myself. So it was truly a, a, a national across country and university effort. So we'd like to thank our co-authors as well. Wonderful. Thank you all so much for taking the time to be on the, the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Nathan. This is fun. We appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. You. This is fun. And uh, thank you to those of you that are tuning in. If you have questions or comments, please email me at nathan at restaurantrelevance.com. Ciao.